I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Super Coach and Fantasy Sports Show. You are now listening to the Inside Fantasy Sports Podcast. You are listening to the Inside Fantasy Sport Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is your host, Rob Kennedy, the Super Coach Hawk, sitting here with my good friend, the big horse, Mick Delaney. How are you, my friend? Robbie, well, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we are almost at the end of this round, and there is some whopping scores out there, isn't there? We're all, Mate, we'll discuss I can see, I yeah, can see a smile on your face. For anybody watching us on YouTube, I can see the smile on your face, and we will get there. To be very clear, this is obviously going to drop on Monday, but because the NRL boys need to get in here and do their live in the studio, we are recording this at about three-quarter time of the Adelaide and Collingwood game. So we will get there as we work through this pod. But uh, I tell you what, mate, what an absolute ripper of a round. I can see the excitement in your voice. Click subscribe if you haven't, people. This is the time to click subscribe because I tell you what, I'm going to ask the questions because nobody wants to hear from me because the man who is giving you all the right information is sitting to my left, and that is Mickey Dell. Let's just start quickly without going into the game. We must talk about Tommy Hawkins. How are you feeling about that comment right now? Oh, mate, like I've done some research on his on his few previous years and he always goes through a low and then he goes bang and averages 100 for the year. So I picked him up when he was at an average of, what was he, 60, um, 411K. Uh, since then he scored 150, he scored 108, he scored 90 against Sydney and today just a lazy 188, if you don't mind. 
Mate, we like to call that big Mick energy, but I'm just going to call it big horse energy because that is massive. Yeah. And like, look, I can't help myself but text you every time I see it happen. It's not even about me swallowing humble pie. I just get excited for people that make big calls and actually come through with it. I think we even heard from uh, our great mate, Jakey Skidmore today, he mentioned that he got behind his boy, uh, Noah Anderson. He was on our mm-hmm. pod earlier, brought him in. I love when people actually stick behind their word and actually get behind it and bring that person in, which is good to see. It's easy to sit here and run off 150 names and go, oh, this might happen and this might happen and that might happen. But when you actually get behind your word, I love it. I love when it comes good for good people. So, mate, I love that Tommy Hawkins is playing for you. And you. Uh, and I love seeing you sliding up that board, mate. It's great to yeah. see. So yeah. should we dive in? Should we dive yeah. into the first let's, game? Let's, let's get stuck in Yep. I have a bone to pick with the first game. Secure to Port Adelaide. Anyone who watched along with our live, uh, we had Cam Young in here, top 5%. Uh, we had great chat. I think Cam Young did a fantastic job. And big shout out to Cam with uh, with the work that he did with you being at work. Um, mm-hmm. Life comes first, pod comes second. Um, the funny thing that me and Cam talked about is I was like adamant Rowan Marshall, VC, going up against Tickle. I talked him into it. And unfortunately, he talked me out of it. Uh, Roel Marshall with a huge 159. Mm. It looks like he's getting back somewhere to where he was last year without Paddy Ryder. He's been a little bit inconsistent this year, but I think that comes with the new game plan that Rossi Lyon's trying to implement. But now they're starting to get a few players back. You know, you've got Jack Steele back. You've got Tim Membry back, a few more senior players, so they're not rolling around with a lot of rookies and a lot of kids. And I think that's just – it's allowing him to play his own game without having to worry about too much more. I think he was trying to shoulder the load, so to speak, and look after the kids a little bit. But now that he's sort of off the chain a little bit, that's enabling him to to find his own ball. And he's starting to look confident. He's clunking those grabs, which he was dropping early. I expect to see this form continue now. I think what we're seeing from Rowan Marshall now is that, look, you've got to truly look at the matchup. Um, yeah. This was a weaker matchup, Tickle finding his way. Look, I think he looks okay. I think he looks like somebody who could be a, a player of the future at some point. Um, mm-hmm. Port Adelaide still look like they're putting up the goods, which is which is nice to see, getting the, getting the win, which was fantastic, especially away from home. We'll talk about their eight winning streak at Marvel Stadium, which is unbelievable. Mm. But Mm. I think what we're seeing from Rowan Marshall is he will still dominate a weaker ruck. And then when it comes to maybe a a tougher matchup, then look, maybe we won't get the 140 from him, but we'll still get the solid 80, 90. I think he's always going to put up a decent performance. Yep. I, I like that. But let me use Sean Darcy, for example. He had two shockers to start the year. Round three, played against Bailey Williams, found himself some form. And since he's averaged 122, I think it is. So I'm hoping that this is trending up like uh, Sean Darcy did for Rowan Marshall. So let's talk about Jack Steele. Jack Steele putting up a big game. He's dropped 48.6K. I haven't, obviously, we're uh, recording this a little bit earlier, so we haven't seen what his price jump is. He had a break even of 169. So he's still going to drop in price. Surely people are going to start to have a look at Jack Steele because he looked back to the Jack that we know of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spot on. Uh, I kind of wish I I had a bit of a thought about um, trading LDU for him because there's a bit of uncertainty around LDU, but I decided to hold him this week, which hopefully it doesn't cost me the 1K at the, the end of the round. But, um, yeah, when we, we look all things St Kilda, he's definitely the man of the engine room there. 
now that Roel Marshall's up up and about again and getting for, first use out of the middle, that's enabling their midfield to get on top and therefore you're seeing other likes of Jack Steele, uh, Brad Crouch, these sorts of players, you know, starting to get a lot more of the ball and see their points benefit and, you know, skyrocket because of that. I really hope our mate Stewie, who jumped on, sitting in uh, – where was he? Was he top 10? He was top 10, wasn't he? Top 10. Eight. Yes. I, I hope he held on to Hunter Clark. Hunter Clark putting up a nice 100. Um, yeah. If there was anything we sort of looked at in his back line, you could see that you might make an upgrade. Look, he might have brought Tom Stewart in or somebody like that, so it wouldn't have worked mm-hmm. out too bad. But the players that keep performing, Jack Sinclair with a 109, Mason Wood with a 104, Hunter Clark was great to see with a 100. Mitch Owens with a 91 is great to see. Um, but from the Port Adelaide side, now we talked about Travis Boak a lot earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder where he'll sit with that DPP status of a possible mid-forward. He has had a bit of forward time. A huge 131. I think we need to give out a big congrats to Travis Boak uh, for number of 30 disposal games over the age of 30. He's now in that, I think it was about five on that list, which was great mm-hmm. to see. He's an absolute – I actually, as much as I'm not a Port Adelaide fan, I am a big Travis Boak fan. Yeah. Yeah. Great player. Um, tip of the squeeze cap to you, mate. Congratulations. And, you know, Port Adelaide are playing well. Yeah, they look they look good. I mean, Dan Houston with a 110, Finn Lason with a 101, Rosie with a 96, which would have made a few people happy. Uh, Butters, again, showing that he can be that inside mid-roll, which I think he needs to get more of at a 96. The mm-hmm. one I want to talk about, so Horn Francis was an 83, but he looked all right. Your boy that we keep bringing up, and we say you are the big horse with the big calls, yep. Ollie Wines had a 70. Where yep. does he still sit with you on your projection to bring him in? How many times is someone going to get 26 touches and only get 70 points? He's he's pretty close to coming in. He may drop just under 400K this week, yep. which could potentially mean that I'll trade out, you know, like a Van Ruin and a Filippo for Ollie Wines. Wow. So he's at 410-100. He had a break-even of 80. Uh, he only got the 70, which means he's probably going to drop about a 1,000 or something like that. So he's getting pretty close to that 400 mark. So, mate, you're you're all about money where your mouth is, and I like it. Um, mm-hmm. We'll be intrigued to see where he goes. I think I think it's still a big call. It's still a big call. But, mate, I live vicariously through your big calls, and I look yep. forward to seeing what comes out. Fantastic. I do, I do want to bring up the Port Adelaide Ruckman, Tez. Mm. Tez Tickle. I think he might be a nice little cash cow. Like, I know he's not playing well as in in regards to the tap work to his mid, so to speak, but Port Adelaide are winning with him in the side. So Ken Hinkley's not going to want to change that. And Lysette was really poor before he went out. So I can see Tickle sticking for a little while if people are looking to downgrade or potentially now that GWS have finished their stretch of Sunday games, if they've got the coin to switch Madden with Tickle, and now I believe West Coast has got a, a big stretch of Sunday games now. So where do we go to from here? Yeah, I think that's a really big call. I think if anyone's probably starting to look at it, I'm one of them, is what do mm-hmm. I do with Madden? At some point, you sort of have to look for somebody if they're going to take that mantle. It'll be interesting to see. Does he hold his spot? Do they yeah. say, you know, we need to bring back Lysette? He's had that sort of, we dropped him back just to kind of hopefully poke the bear. Dare I bring a little bit of... Los Angeles Lakers, NBA talking to it. Great win by the Lakers, by the way, to get past the Grizzlies. Um, 
and bring Lysett back in. Do you think Tickle has done enough to hold his spot? Is it all about them winning or is it all about his performances? He had eight handballs. He had seven follow-up tackles through the midfield, 16 hit-outs. I think he's done his job. Like, if, if you're talking about, you know, you're around the ground stuff and being a target to, to kick it to, he's not clunking those grabs, no, but he is still young. But he is creating a contest inside, and they're winning with him in the side. So I, I can't see them dropping him. Mate, anyone who's watching us on YouTube right now, they could see that I had a little bit of a smirk whilst you answered that question. That we, Let's be clear. You and I get on this podcast and we talk about what are we doing in this podcast? We're like, all right, cool. A bit of a wrap up. We'll talk about this. We might talk about this. We chat for about two minutes. That was 100% a question without reason, uh, without without warning. And you've absolutely run off Brent Tickle's bloody stats up a storm. I love it, mate. I love your work so much. I, this is why you are my co-host and you make me look good. I love it. I love it. You're mate, welcome. On that point, I think we just need to move to Brisbane and Fremantle because, yeah. mate, you can't get any better than that. Fantastic. Um, the rabble continues for Fremantle. It absolutely continues. I think, did you watch this game? Bits and pieces. Fremantle, so, yeah, they're not contenders. Mate, Fremantle had a run. If anybody who watched this game, Fremantle, you should see, in the first, I think it was in the first 45 seconds, right? Fremantle had it in their back line. They went handball, 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 Clark, Young, handball, 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 all the way down to the forward line. And I think even the commentators made a comment sort of saying, that's what we want to see from Fremantle. They need to take a bit more risk with their handball. And it was a fantastic passage of play down to their forward line. And I don't think we saw it for the rest of the match. No. You've got Jordan Clark. You've got Hayden Young. You've got Campbell, um, Campbell down there. Like, you've got to use your handball. So I, I think on Twitter, the Twitter sphere today, we saw talk about uh, Luke Ryan. Do we consider him a you know, top six defender? In Supercoach, we do. Everyone's ragging on him in real life. But in Supercoach, we do because they continue to just chip that ball around their back line. But mm-hmm. Brisbane, again, just continue to show they are the team to beat if they're at the Gabba. So they've got to really work on that top two finish to make sure they can make it to the GF because I don't want to come up against Brisbane at the Gabba, no matter who it is. So Lockie Neal, Lockie Neal with a 124. Uh, Zach Bailey with a 110. Josh Dunkley keeps on getting over that 100 with a 109. Um, I want to come back to Will Ashcroft with a 103. Uh, a lot of people moved McKenna. He actually put up a nice 70 this week. And Wilmont as well put up a decent 63 as well. So I actually held both of those players and moved on a few different players mm-hmm. um, just because I thought they still might come pretty good. Yep. From a Fremantle perspective, it is great to see a Hayden Young getting a 128. And he was actually doing that a bit more with a bit more dash and run, which was nice. Luke Ryan with a 127. Luke Darcy, uh, Sean Darcy with a 114. Sarong, again, showing that he is the ultimate midfielder ahead of Brayshaw with a 109. Uh, Cox with a 105 and Jaeger Amira with a 105. What do you see out of this game, mate? Not much. Um, Fremantle looks shot. You know, they did that run and carry thing at the start of the game and you're like, wow, they're, you know, they're going to look to take on the game and be a little bit more creative without being their defensive chip mark, chip mark. But then they just fell straight back into it. So... I know they're the third youngest list in the AFL, which, you know, to their credit, they're rebuilding on the run. But when you're bringing in the likes of Luke Jackson and and these sorts of players, you're thinking that they're going to compete and clearly they're a little way off. So uh, you can pretty much put a fork in Frio because they are done. For Brisbane, 
Let I'll let you talk about Will Ashcroft. Mate, look, the big thing for me with Will Ashcroft, and we're like a lot of players, and we have this chat as well, you know, you know Sheasel's greater than Will Ashcroft and Dacos and all these kind of things at the moment. I think what we're seeing out of this game today, and it hasn't finished yet, so I don't want to talk to it too much, is it is tough to go in the midfield and dominate right from the start. If you're trying to find touches, the likes of Callum Mills, Nick Dacos, Sheasel, they look amazing as they started their career at half back. When you go into the midfield, which Ashcroft is right from the start, it is difficult to get your hands on the footy, understand the dynamics of AFL, the crash, the bash, the you know the collisions that you get in there. Man, he looks good. He looks good. He looks like a player. Like, look, I don't want to start comparing the pair and all that type of stuff, but. Um, he looks good. And that goal, did you see his goal? That is sign that the check incredible. now. Sign mm. the check now. Give him the car. Whatever it is now is the award. I reckon you could give him 100 goes of that again and he wouldn't, he wouldn't get one. It was phenomenal. But he was yeah. trying. That He was trying for it. Yeah, it was. Yep. Um, and I like, I like your comments about how, you know, he's a rookie and then you've got Sheasel who, like to be fair, is a little bit more flashier, you know, He's run and carry and his ball use is really good. But it is harder for a first-year player to play midfield. He's being overshadowed by the likes of Dunkley and Neil and these sorts of players, McCluggage at the Lions. But when you look forward, like, he's he's really big, like, before our eyes, becoming a, an elite midfielder that just has that general ball now. So he knows where it's going. He knows how to use it. And that he loves that one too, which for super coach, you know, a handball receive, a handball get, you know, and then a kick and hit a target. That's like 12, 14 points every time someone does that. So moving forward, he will be traded out at some stage this year because he won't be a primo this year. But in years to come, he's a lock. No, I agree. It'll be one of those ones where you've got to ask yourself. I don't think many people bring him in from the start. You always look at that second-year blues, especially if he's playing straight in the midfield. I don't think anyone's going to pick him right from the start next year. But I think in year three, year four, year five, this kid is an absolute weapon. Yeah. I look, he, he's keeping someone like a Jared Lyons out of the team. Jared Lyons can't get in. And Jared Lyons was an absolute weapon. He's a great player. Um, yeah, Jared Lyons, Jared Berry, even Hugh McCluggage. To a degree, affected yeah. by his um, work rate and ball use. Yeah, the simple fact that I'll put out to this, and again, the game has not just finished just yet. But Nick Dacos, the two things I'll say about Nick Dacos, and I put it in the chat with the boys. I will absolutely, undeniably, call him elite. As in, I've never seen someone like this good this early when it comes to work rate mm-hmm. and efficiency. Right? Mm-hmm. They were the two po- two points I put out there. But this is the difference now when he goes in the midfield. He's been pretty much efficient. Like his disposal efficiency has been, what, above 80% every game at least. He's currently at 56% in this game playing in the midfield. Okay. It's, a different, it's a different world. It's a different role. It's a lot quicker. It's a lot, you know, you've got somebody actually that can play on you as a role. You're not getting that kick behind the ball. Now, I'm not saying Nick Dacos isn't a future Brownlow medalist or he won't work it out within two or three weeks, but it just shows Give Ashcroft a little bit of time. He's now what? At round seven, putting up games like that is amazing to see. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. So, look, get him in. Get him in. Should we move on? Yeah, let's go to the next game. Yep. Sydney, that was a too. Sydney v GWS. What an absolute cracker. I, uh, I had my son over the weekend and 
I, I'm very big on getting him out of the house. So when I've got him for the weekend, as much as I love watching the footy and getting behind it, when he wakes up from his nap, I want to get him out. I thought Sydney had this game in the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and to look back on, I think I left maybe about three quarters of the way through the third quarter. Um, and to see GWS get up was um, was pretty impressive. So um, I'll let you – do you want to go through the scores? Did you watch this one? Yeah, yeah. I watched a little bit of it. You know, you got your Warner, Mr. Inconsistent, 123. Golden, 119, back up from his 40-odd. And a lot of people traded him out last week. Just goes to show you don't trade out a primo even with one bad score. Parker Lloyd, 106, 116. You know, Heaney, 82. One I do want to bring up, Callum Mills, only, what, an 80. His price is going to dip significantly. Once they get their players back from injury, he's one you will look at. Um, From a GWS point of view, Perriman, he seems to score well every third game, 125. Uh, I'm glad I held on to Tom Green. He knocked out a nice 118. Uh, Toby Green with that goal, 114. Canelio, I hope you've still got him, mate, 108. Uh, Whitfield looks, I'm not going to say back to his best, but still looks all right at 106. And then uh, my boy, Mr. Haynes, he pumped out an 89. What a cracker of a game. What I do want to bring up to people at home, just before we move on a little bit, that O'Halloran, I had a few texts because I had a few people throughout the week message me saying, should I get him in, should I not? And I was steadfast on this man played the role that Tom Green plays. And I got a few messages at halftime saying, he's on 61. What are you talking about, Mick? The rest of the game, he scored four points. Yeah. So it just goes to show that it's so up and down with these sorts of plays that they're really just a plug and play. They've got to do what they can to get points. So when you're talking about that sort of inconsistency, I mean, he kicked two goals and they were early on. Yeah. What are you throwing your hands up at, mate? What have you seen? Rory Laird just got subbed with 14 minutes left to go in the last quarter, oh, and I don't know why. I'm a little that's bit unsure. Okay. That's I hope okay. he's okay. That's all right. Mate, you're spot on with your point, though. Sorry, I'll stay I'll stay with what you were talking about. Um, I'll stay with what you were talking about. I want to see – I just kind of want to see what Laird's on before I uh, before I move on. That he's I can- on 100 100. Okay, that's all right. I'll take that. All good. Um, you're spot on. I'll tell you what I liked about O'Halloran. You're right. You were 100% in your comment. He, I think he is built to play Tom mm-hmm. Green's role, and he was scoring those kind of scores off half forward. He sort of went to half forward and then came into the midfield a little bit. He relied on kicking a few goals, which he's not going to do every week. Um, I like him as a player. He looks good as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt about that, and you, you're spot on. I think you uh, you weren't saying that in any way. I think you're spot on that he's he's built to play the Tom Green role, and look, I think he's going to do that sort of up and down component. So I think you're spot on. The yeah. big thing I'll say about anyone with um, Nick Dacos is still only on 75. You're killing me. Um, the big thing I will say, the big thing I will say about um, Tom Green, I wouldn't move him. The guy just has such a consistent role. Like, look, he, like, I'll take, uh, and this is one of those ones you and I talked about when we talked back about, um, I'm, I'm terrible with names. We had what's his name on who had won the, who had won it before. Um, and I'm sort of getting that learning between league, head to head leagues versus, you know, you're trying to have that overall win. But from a league perspective, Tom Green is the kind of guy you want in your team because he just consistently puts up those numbers. I'll take Tom Green over Josh Kelly every day of the week in a head-to-head type league. Yes, mm-hmm. maybe Kelly has a higher ceiling 
and and sort of you know Tom Green stays here. So what does that look like from an average overall at the end of the year? I don't know, but I really like Tom Green's role. Um, and for anyone out there, I'd be looking at moving at some point your setter field first, and then you and then you maybe your hopper before I think about moving Tom Green. That's my opinion. Yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, one I really liked was, I mean, Himmelberg was the interesting one out of this, 88. I, from what I saw, he was still playing forward. They brought, um, yeah, they brought, who was the guy they brought in? They brought in, uh, Brand, is it like a Brown? What's his name? Um, yeah, Brown. They brought Brown in and Brown went to that back line. He looks all right sometimes too. I, I He was an interesting player. I was listening during the game. He's played 11 games in the AFL. He actually, had, I think he had a three Brownlow vote game once where he actually ran off the back line and kicked about three goals in the game or something Dermot Brereton was saying. Not that I take Brandon too seriously, but uh, he looked right back there. But a lot of people jumped the gun too early on Himmelberg. I'm going to assume you didn't. No. Yeah. No. A lot of people jumped the gun too early on Himmelberg. Until you see him playing back and playing back consistency, you and I talked about it during the week. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. It's um, it's too risky and it's and it's uh, it's not going to pay off for you. Spot on. Mate, Callum Mills is one that, before we move on to Bulldogs and Hawthorne, Callum Mills is one that I'm very heavily watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're watching like an Ollie Wines and stuff like that. Callum Mills is one that I'm watching. When those players start coming back and Tom McCartan was back and he started looking good and the Tom McCartan got a bit injured during the game and, and Mills went straight back to that back line, mm-hmm. Callum Mills is on, is the one I'm watching that. If he his price drops, he's one I'm bringing in. For sure. Yeah, he'll be one that, especially if he drops a little bit to the, you know, your mid to low 500s, we're in. Absolutely. Hawthorne v. the Western Bulldogs, my boys. Now, I didn't toot my horn too early, although a few boys did. I stayed quiet. The uh, the unicorn killer, Connor Nash, and I did have a chuckle in the car back, mate, when I listened to your comment before. Conan Ash did a very good job in the first quarter against Bonds and Pally, but Cream, as we know, always rises to the top. And yeah. uh, the Bond himself with the 122. Caleb Daniel played a much uh, – he's the one that kind of went in with Libba out. He played a much bigger role in the midfield with the 114. Uh, Norton, look, was always going to kick some goals, 113. Bailey Smith was the other one that we mentioned, especially when I was on with Cam Young, that was going to step up and have a bigger game, 103. Doesn't JJ just look like much a better player when he's off the half? Yeah. Like yeah. That's where he needs to be. 
Now, yeah. a few of us pulled the gun with uh, Tim English. He only pulled a 90, which wasn't too bad, but not what we want for our VC. Um, from a Hawthorne perspective, Sicily did his job, 128. Hardwick, man, I love Hardwick. He, I feel like Blake Hardwick is one of the most underrated players in the AFL. Yeah, he was on good. Cody Waitman, and we rate Cody Waitman. Cody Waitman didn't have a touch for about three quarters. Um, and Blake Hardwick finished with a 117. Ned mm-hmm. Reeves, to his credit, did a fantastic job with a 110. And uh, Will Day, a lot of people brought him in this week, and he rewarded them with at least a 97. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on this game, mate? There's not too much to talk about. No, not really. But Tim English looked tired. I was watching him run around. He just looked a little bit lethargic. Like, I know Ned Reeves played well, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't know about English, whether he's carrying a slight niggle, whether he got a bump or whether he was just tired. Who knows? Let's see what happens this week. But no doubt his price is going to drop now. I think they asked too much of him. And this is the Rory Lobb factor that we've talked about. Cam Young's being on it. I'm big on it. you got... At some point, they need to pull the trigger on what are they going to do. They've got Darcy sitting there who could be a forward ruck. Lob hates going in the ruck. Now, like whether you demand that he goes in there or not, like you either need to or you don't, but surely you had a chat about it when you brought him in for about, what, 650K a year that he's on. But you can't ask this much of uh, Tim English all year. Nobody can play that long in the ruck. Gorn needs a chop out. Everybody needs a chop out at some point. Um I still believe, you know, if you're going to trust in Rory Lobb, I still believe Naughty needs to go to the back line and you bring Darcy in and you play him as a forward ruck and you get ready to try and win a premiership in two years, three years' time. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Mitch Lewis back for Hawthorne looked good. But he for did. everyone that's held on to Fergus Cree now, it's time to get rid of him because now he's just he's the third forward. He's not going to get the same looks as what he has the first six weeks. So if you still got him... Trade him off before he starts losing your coin. Yeah, the only other one I want to say there as well, mate, is I'm all good with the Seamus Mitchell call. Look, he got Mm -hmm. subbed, and we need to understand this. But from now on, I'm not bringing in any Hawthorne rookies. Um, I think we know Sam Mitchell is going to throw the magnets all over the place. Seamus Mitchell was not the weakest player on that ground. He was having a good game. They brought Scrimshaw in, who's dealing with a bit of turf toe. Um, it was a tactical move to bring him in and put Seamus off. He is going to rotate those magnets like we've never seen before. Um, so, look, Seamus wasn't a bad call. I think he's going to hold his spot and play a regular role in this side. But with the Wards and the Weddles and the and the uh, Ramsdens, I wouldn't touch them now because I think there's going to be too many rotations at Hawthorne and that's just going to burn you with some low scores. Mm-hmm. Melbourne v North Melbourne. Oh, my gosh. Now, a lot of the boys slagged me off and they made a little bit of a joke. It was good fun. I had a bit of fun in the live and threw out a bit of a fishing rod to the to the yeah. Roo boys. But, but um, is this a North Melbourne thing or is this just a Melbourne finding their straps thing? And I'm going to say the same thing when it comes to Geelong v Essendon. What's your thoughts here, mate? Is this a little bit of both or is just Melbourne the real deal? Yeah, I think the game, the life of the game got sucked out early when Coombin broke his leg. You know, you could see everyone was a little bit dejected and North never really recovered. And they're, like they're already down LDU. Uh, Simpkins still isn't quite right. He only scored an 81, even though he had 24 touches. Um, they need to get rid of Hall. Like, I know he scored. He had 30 touches. He had 117 super coach points. But he blew off every sideways handball, every run and carry that someone was looking for. He ignored Sheasel no less than half a dozen times. 
just to do his little U-turn and hit a 25, 30-metre kick, which was useless. So I've got no doubt he's going to do a hammy in three, four, five weeks, which he always does every year. But he's stunting the growth of their younger players there. So the sooner Clarko gets rid of him, the better. Uh, for those that didn't <clears throat> trade out Sheasel, congratulations. It was a once-off. Why would you? I don't know. What did he score? Nearly 100? 107, actually. Booyah. He's had, he's had 100 every game, bar one. Know, Anybody who trades him out, you're trying to just chase points too quickly. Yeah. Yep. Silly. Uh, yeah. For Melbourne, uh, I because I had Green and Mitchell on field, I, I was chasing big numbers. So I ended up VC and Bonds, and I'm like, nah, I've got to go larger. So I slapped the C on Oliver, and I got 18 extra points. So it wasn't really worth it, but it was at the same time. Petraka looked awesome, 167, but there was no pressure on him really at all. He just did as he liked. Um, take your pick with everyone else. Gorn's going to drop a lot in coin, which I'm, I'm keeping a sly eye on as well. What did he score? 80. So he'll be mid-500s before long and, you know, do your jump on him then. Van Ruin, his time's nearly come to an end as well. Yeah, I think Van Ruin, I think you got to be honest with Van Ruin. Van Ruin's got lucky with his – I mean, there's no luck. I mean, the, the harder you train, the luckier you get. But, um, yeah, Van Ruin's not somebody that I would trust in. It's just not somebody I trust in. I mean, I'll, I'll toot my own horn a little bit. I said this was the game that Petrucca would have the bigger one out of Petrucca and Oliver. Um, Petrucca steps up in the games where uh, they're going to smash teams. Um, and that's not to say he's not a big game player. He is. But Oliver just sort of gets the handball out to him. He gets the kicks. He gets the inside 50s. He kicks the goals. Petrucca definitely steps up in the games where you know Melbourne's going to have the win. Um, I like actually getting on Oliver when it's the games that are going to be a little bit tougher. He, he sort of works that little bit harder and gets those points. But, yeah, they look good. They're finding their straps. They're playing some good footy. Max Gorn is definitely someone to look at. Look, he pulling the trigger on a Marshall. I don't know. It takes a lot of Kanakas to do that. Some of the top 1% teams might do it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not a bad shout to have like a Gorn and English combination. But uh, for those of us who are still chasing tail and kind of coming up a bit from those round one performances, I think, it's, I think there's other places that you need to sort of fix your team first. Um, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm pretty straightforward. It was nice to see Brayshaw go into the midfield. Brayshaw went in the midfield, scored a 123, did a bit of a defensive midfield role, played this, put the score up that I thought he would have done from round one. But um, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, bitter about that at all. <laughs> uh, we, move, we move on to another one. Yeah, sorry, mate, you go. No, no, just an update from this game. Looks like Saligo's the one, or Saligo's the one that's injured and Laird's back on. Laird's back on. According to the app, yes. I'm not watching the game, but according to the app. Oh, that's weird. So I was only mm. I was only looking up on the screen and, and they called the sub trigger. That's all right. We'll see what happens. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Interesting mm. to see. Anyways, um, we move on to another one, which is a bit of a whitewash. It wasn't a great uh, Saturday night for viewing. It was a nice night to hang out with my parents over from Melbourne. Um Carlton versus West Coast, I think this delivered what we thought it would. I did talk about the Paddy Cripps being the C option this week. I should have trusted mm-hmm. the gut. A massive 153. Nick Newman stepping up with a few players out with the 139. Uh, Chera showing that he goes right off the halfback with a 134. Hewitt with a 124. Akers a 119. Walsh a 117. Pittnet a 114. Doherty a 106. I did put it out on Twitter. No one's responded yet. I'm really intrigued to see 
What is the record for the most players in Supercoach getting over 100? Because Carlton have ended up with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and even had three in the 90s as well. So it's a fair effort from Carlton against mm-hmm. a very depleted West Coast. I mean, it's hard to go past Charlie Curnow as well with his 186 and nine goals. Mate, what do you have to say about this one? Not much. I'm glad I got, I've had Chincotta from the start. He was yeah, on field. Cool. He even had an 88. I held on a Sard. I was disappointed that he got subbed out of 96 real early. But you know what? If that's a preventative measure, which means he plays next week and just gives him extra time to recover, I'm happy with that. So, yeah, just for the viewers at home, don't touch any West Coast play for the rest of the year. They are, they are as done as a dog's dinner. Like we talked about Tim Kelly. A lot of people have asked us the question on the Twitter sphere, our social media pages, and feel free to come and ask us questions all the time. We'll always give you a little bit of food for thought and our opinion. Tim Kelly was putting up some big numbers. As we said, this one will fizzle. It'll fizzle. Look, he's he's a quality player. He's going to put up some big scores now and then. But excuse my French, when shit chuck, when shit comes to shove, he it's you're not going to have the same effort when you're getting pumped by ten goals and hundred points and those types of things, and they're going to struggle big time. Big time. Um, mate, your mob versus Geelong, they made it look a little bit more respectable after what it looked like at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest takeaway from this is two things. One, and I'll let you probably analyze it a little bit better. One, Tom Hawkins, who we talked about at the start of the show, is a massive call by you and well done. And we thought that would happen against Essendon. You called it during the week with uh, Laverde being out. It was always going to be a tough matchup. And the other one is probably it's time to upgrade Setterfield. They're my takeaways. What's what's your big ones? I'll let you analyze it a little bit longer than I did. No, no, not a lot. I'd, like I, I listened to it. I didn't really watch it because I had a day with the family here. But, yeah, Stringer, what do you get? 140s. That's never going to happen again, yep. I wouldn't have thought. They played him through the midfield because Geelong's got a bigger midfield. And, like, when you're talking Merritt and Parrish and these sorts of players, we are a bit small in there. Um. Yeah, I'm glad I brought in Hawkins. I'm glad I stuck with me gut. But when you're talking about the likes of Paddy Dangerfield, he's been consistently good this year. He's, I don't think he's scored under 90, and he's between 90 and 130 every game. That's what you want from your top-end talent. Stewart again, 123. Maxi Holmes, good to see him pump out over 100. And then you've got a, a variety of players between 180. So uh, for Essendon... Stringer, as I said, Nick Martin, he is a class, class player. 127, love the way he goes about it. And then there's Parrish on 108, and then it drops away quite quickly. Wiedemann with five goals, 83. But, yeah, Setterfield, if you've still got him, he's on the way out. And, unfortunately, uh, Draper just had an absolute Barry shocker, didn't he? 41 against a non-Ruckman in Blissavs. So... That's right. We're young, onwards and upwards, flagged ons. Yeah, I think you spot on with the Dangerfield call. So he had a 61 to start against okay. Collingwood. Since then, he had an 85. And then since then, it's been over 100. So he's starting to find yeah. his straps. Yes, they've played Gold Coast, Hawthorne, West Coast, Sydney, Essendon. But he's a quality player. I think he's starting to rise whilst the team is rising. And, uh, and that's what you'll see. Geelong, it's one of those interesting ones. For anyone who knows footy, it's um, you get the shortest preseason when you win a flag. You get the shortest preseason. You're recovering off the back of a pre, uh, of a premiership win. Their preseason has been the first four rounds. 
let's be honest, for them to find their straps. Hawkins was injured coming into it. Dangerfield, they're all a little bit sluggish. And look, let's be honest, they are older, but they are a quality team. So Dangerfield's not a bad shout. I'd still like to see him put up a few more scores. I've got a few areas that I need to fix before looking at him. But uh, yeah, look, they're a a quality side. And I think between the sort of Brisbane's, uh, Brisbane's, Geelong's and and the Melbourne's, they're kind of really rising up there with the, look, Collingwood's one point behind with about two minutes, 52 to go. So uh, yeah, it's interesting to see. Um, Uh, Now, Geelong shout, just quickly. Um, Tommy Hawkins, he, yeah, he's not looking as fit as what he ever has. But he's going to be isolated inside 50 a lot, one-on-one with any defender in the league. He's, not, he's one of the strongest blokes in the league. So when you're talking about being isolated, one-on-one, sitting on his head, he doesn't need to be a fit bloke to pump out scores. Like even today, what was it? He had 18 touches for his 188. 16 touches, 12 marks, 8 goals, 184. So it's all about efficiency. He's kicking goals. He's taking contested marks. He's doing score assists. He's taking the ruck hit outs in the forward 50. That's what you want from a forward, hence why I went with him. Yeah. No, it's a great call. It's been a great shout. He's in a good side and he and he does his job. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good call. Absolutely. We move on to Richmond. This was the other one that I put in the chat group. I talked about Crips and Taranto once I saw that uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Tim English didn't give me the score that I wanted. Probably should have backed my gut like you do, Mickey Dell. Uh, Taranto with a big 140, albeit in a loss to Gold Coast. And I tell you what, Richmond are going to start to take a really good look at their list. Uh, Taranto with the 140, there's not much else there. I want to kind of look at the major picks. Um, Hopper only had a 71. Rioli had an 87. I know a lot of people have Liam Baker. He only had a 69. From a Gold mm. Coast perspective, we talked about the Took Miller effect and not being in. Well, Noah Anderson stepped up with a 144, Powell with a 143, Ballard with a 132. Um, Alice, the ex-Richmond player, against his old side, 113. Matty Rao with a 108, um, which is great to see your boy. And we talked about these two, McPherson and Fiorini, both got over the 100. So Fiorini with a 101 and McPherson with a 102. Uh, Wits with a 94. Um, mm-hmm. What's your thoughts with the Richmond lineup, mate? I would have thought this would have been a, would have been a good one for him. I see you holding the fork. (laughs) They're done. Put a fork in them. It's disappointing. It's disappointing. They should be doing better. Yeah. Uh, Without Lynch, it's a big hole down there for them, isn't it? And they they just don't have another key forward to support Mr. Rewalt. Down back even, they they look a little lost. Their goal kicking's been pretty ordinary. Gold Coast, I should have looked into this more. I I tip Richmond, but Gold Coast have the best record against Richmond comparatively to everyone else in the comp. They've won almost, no, it is the most amount of games against any other team. Richmond's number one for them. So I know it's at the G Richmond play well at the G, but Gold Coast were just head and shoulders far and above better. We it's move a draw on. with two minutes to go. Yeah. We move on to the last game, which is a draw. I tell you what, this is where, as much as I've enjoyed getting involved in the Twitter sphere and talking with the community, and like we've talked a lot about it on this pod, I there's a lot of highly educated people in there that watch a lot mm-hmm. of footy, talk some great sense, which is really good. Sometimes I've got to not put my questions out there. I was so big on just moving the moving the captaincy to Dawson. In my mind, I was like Collingwood won't tag. They're kind of like the Hawthorne when they're in their prime, which is just sort of you back your system and you back your team. 
where someone like a Ben Keys was going to go to a Nick Dacos. Now, did I expect Nick Dacos to go in the midfield? No, I didn't. So I thought in the back line, he'd still get his kicks behind the 50 and those types of things. But Jordan Dawson sitting on a 130. Rory Laird sitting on a 100. Chance Jones sitting on a 118. Big shout out to Ryan Hamo. He's had a few comments about that kind of that call yep. that he put out. Nick Dacos is currently sitting on 69. So he's lowest score of the year. So I think there's a few people out there that, again, mate, this is another, another big jump for you, uh, Mickey Dell, as Collingwood have just taken a mark, still side bottom inside 50 with 45 seconds to go, which pretty much just means the time is still going. He'll get his 30 seconds. He's, it's a tight angle. He's got to just kick a point at least to win he's, the game. He's a good, he's a good, he's a good kick. He's a good we'll team. talk him all through. Well, well, should we should we do a little bit of commentary? So Nick Dacos, uh, still side bottom, forty five degree angle. Here he comes, twenty eight seconds and counting. He needs a point for the win. He has kicked a point. Can they Ollie, go end to end in twenty one seconds? Oh, this is built up for a Dawson finale, isn't it? Surely they're running out. Here he goes. Dawson's run outside of the square. He's gone out to the wing. There's Rochelle. He's out there. He's handballed. He's gone gutsy. Who's that in the middle? Rankin. Handballer, oh, they're going forward. Eight seconds to go. No, nah, there it is. Darcy Moore's taking an interceptor mark on the halfback flank. And That's Collingwood fun. are going to win by one point in front yep. of a packed house at the, Adelaide, at the Adelaide Oval. And they are happy. But I tell you who's not happy is the people who put a captain on Nick Dacos and currently he's sitting on 71. But yeah. it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, it was always going to happen with uh, the likes of Ben Keyes in the side. He is one of the better um, I, and I didn't watch a second of the game, but I anticipate that Keys went to Dacos, um, played a role. Who, who else are you looking at there? Darcy Moore, again, not too bad. Tommy Mitchell, the pig, again, over 100. Johnny Noble, he's actually quite underrated back there, isn't he? Well, this is the difference now, and this is the part of knowing where everybody's going to play, and this is the thing. With Nick Dacos going to the midfield, all of a sudden, Johnny Noble really becomes the true runoff halfback player. So he all of a sudden starts getting the handballs, the, I'm not trying to be rude, the cheaper kicks in the back line and things like that. I rate Noble. He's got a good pace, good dash. He's pretty efficient by foot. Um, So he got the 109. Yeah, Dawson got the 135. Jones, 114. 148 yeah. now for Dawson. Oh, it's jumped up, has it? There you go, 148. Yeah, this, so. Yes, and then there's still a lot of points there to be scaled, so I anticipate Dawson to go over 150 again. Yeah, so that one's going to hurt for uh, for Adelaide. I tell you what, this Collingwood side continue to find a way to win. They're clearly in that top four echelon. Um, look, if we have a quick finish as we wrap up this pod because we're going to start to clear the studio for our NRL boys, if you were starting to talk about trades, how many trades do you currently have still remaining and how many boosts do you have still remaining, mate? I have three boosts and 24 trades left. So what are you thinking if you were just to talk about trades now? And we'll talk more about it in the next pod. But off the top of looking at your team now, where, where are the moves that you need to make? I'm looking at Bailey Smith into my forward line. He looked pretty good last night. He looked fresh. He was running and carrying and using the ball well. Uh, Ollie Wines, I, just, I want to see next week how he goes. Uh, they've got a run of, what is it, eight in a row at Marvel, and yep. they've won eight in a row there. So I anticipate them to be quite good there again. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, I want to I see what Gorn's doing, how much money he's going to drop. And, again, Sinclair probably in my back line. That's my back line and my forward line is where I need to shore up at the moment. 
Yeah, so I've done the I've done the Zebel to my back line. I've kept Sheasel in my forward line because I had six I had six non rookies in my forward line. So I needed sort of even it's weird because you're kind of like at the end of the day, you could put Seamus Mitchell in the back line, still the same team, same score, but it looks a bit more balanced with the sort of Dawson Dacos Zebel day. Mm-hmm. Um I think I'm at the point now where I must bring in, I must bring Clayton Oliver into my side. I think it's an absolute must no matter what I do. Um, as much as I kind of want to be like, you know, Cedarville's still a solid player and things like that, I think I need to do a downgrade somewhere and I'm not sure where that goes, but I've got 309K sitting in my bank. So I could possibly just get away with doing one trade and just upgrade Cedarfield to to Clayton Oliver, I think. Um, yep. I don't think there's any rookie screaming off the plate other than everybody I think will bring in uh, Sin Cotter. I already brought him in this week. So, um, if can, yeah. If you can see that, this is probably the highest I've ever been projected. 2,511 yep. we're looking at this week. What's your live score? Uh, 2,364 with Chase Jones, Rory Laird and Nick Dacos to still be finalised. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Very nice. Very nice, man. We might be... Uh, we might be bringing you on the pod to congratulate you as a high scorer in the last week. Come on. I love that. Bring it on. I love that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of hundreds around this page, which is really good to see. So, look, mate, I love the wrap-up. You got any final words, mate? No, no. We'll, uh, we'll get stuck in with either Tuesday, Wednesday night, look at potential trade-ins. We've got another dual position um, segment coming up in a couple of weeks, around 12, yep. I believe it is, where our next mm-hmm. batch of um, DPPs are going to drop. And then we've got buy rounds, something that's going to be vital if you're looking at bringing home the coin at the end of the year. Hopefully you haven't burnt all your trades and you've still got plenty of trades and plenty of boosts there to be able to carry you through. Yeah, I think that's where the boosts are 100% vital. I know a lot of people that have used their boosts mm-hmm. to try and chase points right now, but there's some, uh, there's especially two weeks of the buy rounds, which are absolutely massive, that you're going to need that boost. That's why I've held on to my two boosts. Um, and going to start looking at where are those weeks that I don't even use a trade. But uh, operation number one is bring in Clayton Oliver, I think, for me. I think it's an absolute must, um, and that's what I'm going to look to do. But thanks, mate. Enjoyed your wrap-up. We'll clear the studio for the NRL boys, Matty O'Brien, Nathan Brain, to step in. It's always been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to seeing where your round seven finishes up. I look forward to talking about it during the week. To everybody listening along, have a fantastic week, everybody. This has been the Insight Fantasy Sport Podcast. Peace out. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.